Well, welcome to this edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I, I have to put a disclaimer out, a caveat here, before we dive right into the program. We are going to look at a couple of stories this hour that are uh, they're difficult to listen to, they're difficult to walk through, but I think they're important for us because they talk about matters of conscience, you know, those of us who um, have them. I mean, all of them, I think, are... And I'm not talking Jiminy Cricket conscious either. You know, always let your conscience... No, that's not that kind of quote-unquote theology at all. It's people who hold to a certain set of values, a certain set of morals, a certain set of standards, as it were. And we've talked about this in the culture, how more and more people, or I should say fewer and fewer people, are adhering to the biblical worldview when it comes to morals and values. And, or at least they say so outwardly until uh, something happens and all of a sudden that faith is called into question or lack thereof. We've got a case of, uh, in point of two people who uh, have demonstrated that, that when it comes to a crisis of conscience, one was willing to die because of a challenge to uh, her faith and values, and another one actually wound up dying uh, as a result of a challenge uh, that, to his values. And it's interesting to see how when you compare the two, people would say, well, that's awful, this man, this woman. I mean, this, it's just, it's, it's awful that they have had to go through what they went through. But when you consider the source, or the sources, I should say, of the agony, of the pain, of the frustration, uh, you'll begin to look at this in a whole new light. There was a story in the Orange County Register just this past week about uh, a suicide that took place at Disneyland. And... It was, you know, it, it happens, and Disney does a really good job of trying to, you know, cover up the uh, potential PR nightmare of having something like this happen. But I wanted to share the story with you. This is a crisis of conscience story that um, there is a certain measure of redemption to it, and I want to explain why as we go through this here. Um, a man by the name of Christopher Christensen of Westminster uh, leapt to his death over this past weekend. Saturday night around 9 p.m., he was found dead after someone reported that a man fell from the Mickey and Friends parking structure at Disneyland. Now, if you can imagine Disneyland during Christmas time and the crowds that were there and how many people would have been around, this happened. Uh, police have said that his death was likely a suicide. And it's what's interesting about this case to me, I mean, it's tragic, obviously. But when you think of what went on here uh, in this case, it's so easy to look at the first part of the story, the second part, without really digging deeper, and then asking the question, what led the 51-year-old man to jump to his death? Uh, Mr. Christensen was the principal at Newland Elementary School, career educator, which always speaks to my heart because uh, both my mom and dad are career educators, and I have two kids who are, well, three. All three are getting into education as well. Um, he posted, he was previously the principal at Courageous Elementary School in Fountain Valley School District. He's been an administrator for 22 years. He posted on his Facebook shortly before this event took place, I have truly loved educating and leading thousands of students and families as a principal in Fountain Valley School District for the past 21 plus years. I've made so many wonderful connections with families over the years, and those who know me closely know how much I cared for my students, staff, and family. Please remember me for all the good I brought to the world of education. In addition to being uh, an educator, Mr. Christensen was a cellist. He was also a uh, vocalist. He, uh, one of his colleagues, a woman called Diana Gray, 
uh, with the owner of the Seaside Strings store in uh, Huntington Beach. And, uh, and oh, excuse me, Seaside Strings is a, an ensemble. Uh, they do weddings and things like that. And this guy used to work for her all the time. He said he was one of my favorite people to play with. I loved his musicality. I liked how he, he, he led jobs. He was fun. He was humorous. Always seemed to find joy in his work. High-level professional and a very much a quote-unquote people person. Think of the thousands of young musicians who came up through the ranks. Uh, he was a middle school instrumental music teacher in Long Beach Unified School District before he uh, joined Fountain Valley School District. And his death has uh, is obviously leaving a mark on what's happening. As a matter of fact, this past weekend was one of the ones that I, I have a very soft spot for this. Disneyland is famous at Christmas time for their candlelight processional. I don't know if you've ever been a part of that. First time I got to be a part of it, I think I was in seventh grade, but my, my dad always was part of the uh, team of choir directors who would get their choirs involved in the Disneyland Coral Pageant. They had a living Christmas tree from Western High School, and we had to learn a certain number of songs, and they would have a, uh, a, a, a guest uh, who was the, uh, you know, some big shot, like one year, who would read the Christmas story and narrate it right there in Main Street. One year was Cary Grant, you know, and, and for some reason, maybe because I was short and sang tenor, I don't know, we were all in seventh grade, um, we were standing in our position on the risers maybe 20 feet from him. Kind of cool guy. Uh, one of my buddies actually succumbed to the uh, the pressure of the lights and everything, didn't buckle his knees enough and passed out. <laughs> he was the best athlete among us, and he passed out up there. But then afterwards, they gave us free tickets to the park, and we got to go around and, you know, enjoy the park. It was a lot of fun. Beautiful. Um, the first two of the four annual performances for this past weekend, I don't know if he was actually Mr. Christensen was involved in this. Uh, Masters at UC Irvine. Uh, he was a principal, Fulton Middle School, 2006 to 2011. Maolia K-8 School, 2003 to 2006. He was an assistant principal. Had three children of his own and two stepchildren as well. And friends are saying they don't know why he was led to end his life. Why he would post such a lengthy post on his Facebook page and then go to Disneyland in the parking structure and jump to his death. Now, I don't know if he was involved in the, uh, in the candlelight processional that happened. But basically, um, last month, it turns out that Mr. Christensen was arrested. He was arrested on charges of child endangerment and child battery back on November the 17th. Uh, or excuse me, he was charged officially on November the 22nd with the misdemeanor counts. He had already entered a plea of not guilty to both charges. Apparently, both of the acts allegedly occurred on November 15th. He was taken into custody after that. He was uh, he was able to post a $10,000 bond and was released on November 17th. Saturday, well, Monday, December 5th, was the day he was supposed to appear in court. And on the Saturday beforehand, he jumped to his death. Now, you have to ask the question. At some point, what was it about what happened? We'll never know this side of heaven. What motivated him to jump? Good career. He was 51 years of age, so even if he had to take retirement, he was going to get a good retirement out of it. Uh, father of three, stepfather of two. Don't know if his marriage was ending. We don't know if his, uh, the, what these charges involved. Uh, they were misdemeanors, but as a career educator, to have child endangerment and child battery on your record probably isn't a good thing. But what was it? I mean, was it a guilty conscience? I mean, we, we're speculating here, but, but think about this for just a moment. 
when in a world that seems to be devoid of morals and values, where everything's negotiable, you know, where a guy like Raphael Warnock, who is an ordained minister, can run for Senate of the United States as Reverend Raphael Warnock and openly proclaim his love and support and devotion to the murdering of preborn children in the womb, but then preach the gospel on Sunday and try to lead people into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to ask the question, okay, at some point, what, what, where are the values? You know, some parts of the value of, you know, preaching the gospel and leading people to faith are definitely there, but other parts, it's like, yeah, but what about, you know, leading these children astray or millstone around your neck? I mean, for crying out loud, why are they so conflicted? We'll only be able to speculate about uh, Chris Christensen, and I encourage you to pray for his family and his kids as they are dealing with this tragic loss. And anybody involved in the alleged crime uh, that he was uh, charged with and was going to be fighting in court. But isn't it interesting how many of us, because of a quote-unquote guilty conscience, will be led to do things this drastic? I mean, for all we know, it could have been false allegations. wouldn't be the first time that an educator had been brought up on charges that would turn out to be false. But maybe the pressure of having to go through the trial and the humiliation of, you know, why the situation came up in the first place, it might have been too much for him. But please note the fact that the conscience for this man was very real. And he was brought up on legal charges that were based on a rule of law that are based on biblical principles. But those biblical principles do not mean that we are a Christian nation, per se, that we're not a theocracy. Someone brought him up on legal criminal charges, not on charges of, say, apostasy. Compare and contrast that with a woman who was also facing charges, uh, this time in Sudan, the name of uh, Maryam Ibrahim. This is a woman who was brought up on charges and was facing 100 lashes in a Sudanese court and being hanged to death. She survived the legal ordeal. Oh, by the way, the charges were not child endangerment. They were not child entrapment. Her charge was living as a Christian in a majority Muslim country where Sharia law forbade her from even speaking to a man, let alone looking a man in the eye in the courtroom, let alone living as a Christian wife and mother. Miriam's written a story about her journey called Shackled, One Woman's Dramatic Triumph Over Persecution, Gender Abuse, and a Death Sentence. We have a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com, an incredible testimony to be shared on the other side of this break. Stay with us as The Bottom Line continues. You never know what little thing you can do for someone that can make a change in their life. Personal injury attorney Stephanie Cover has a servant's heart. She will do everything in her power to fully restore you to what your life was like before your injury using her 25 years of experience to fight for the fair value of your case. Stephanie puts others first and works tirelessly for her clients. Even when she can't help through representation, she does everything she can do to connect people with the help they need through spreading the word of God and sharing her community. Stephanie Cover is grateful for what she has and tries to give back however she can. She believes that as a Christian, you don't turn your back on anyone. Save her number or call now. 877-214-4935. 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Then fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. Stephanie Cover. She knows the other side. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, a special conversation with a woman who 
who understands what it means to be caught in the middle of religious tension, uh, political aspirations of some people, and uh, if people fully can fully understand what it is like to live under a theocracy, if anybody understands that, that is Mariam Ibrahim. Uh, she is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. She is a woman who has a remarkable testimony of growing up uh, with a Muslim father who passed away when she was a little girl, and then her mother raised her in the Christian faith, and she wound up uh, growing up, becoming successful in business, you know, starting a family, and then the wheels really came off the proverbial cart. She's written about her story in a brand new book called uh, Shackled, and it's a book that uh, describes one woman's dramatic triumph over persecution, gender abuse, and a death sentence. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Mariam Ibrahim, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you so very much. The past decade for you has been nothing short of spectacular, hasn't it? Can you give us an idea of how we got to that point in 2013 where your life changed? Up until that point, there had been some tragedy, there had been some heartache, but you had a relationship with God, you had a husband, you had a son. Your life seemingly was, was going very well. That's true. So I was born uh, for a Muslim father and Christian mother, and but we live in an Islamic country, so under Sharia law, the children who were born in that situation are considered Muslim. But mm-hmm. um, I grew up with my mom. She raised me as a Christian. And, yeah, so part of the, you know, the story, my mom is always, they so after my mom passed away, I, I and I got married. I have my family. My father's family have came after me also because my father is Muslim. So he happened to have another family, another wife, another children. So he abandoned them, and you know he moved from uh, Darfur region in Sudan, mm-hmm. um, which considered the west side of Sudan to the eastern side um, of Sudan, where he met with my mother and started a new family. So, yeah, when my father's family came after me, I was accused actually by adultery first because the court determined my marriage to the Christian man is invalid. In the Islamic Sharia law, um, Muslim girls cannot marry to non-Muslim men. Mm. Mm-hmm. How very interesting, I mean, for us to hear you telling this story, I mean, somewhat matter-of-factly, with regard to the nature of Sharia law and the fact that you were born in a majority Muslim com- country, and thus the the state determined your religious identity, not yours. How did you, I mean, talk about how you came to faith in Christ. I mean, how were your parents even together with your father being a Muslim and your mother being a Christian? Did she have to keep her Christian faith under wraps when they were married? That yeah, she does. She have she faced so many um, you know trouble on her marriage and domestic violence because um, you know my father's a Muslim. Yeah, he's allowed to marry to non-Muslim because they believe women are weak. So having a Muslim man to marry non-Muslim women, it's because women are weak. So her husband eventually will convince her to convert. So they want to add people to Islam. And they don't allow Muslim girls to marry to non-Muslim because they believe women are weak. So if you are a non-Muslim, you marry a Muslim girl, you're going to, you know, uh, convince her to convert to, to your religion. That's a part of this. The, the reason this law is very restricted because they want to protect 
Islam, they want to protect the children or, you know, the religion of the children. So my father was allowed, and when he tried, you know, to convert my mother, when he failed to do that, so he would beat her and all other, you know, very, you know, uh, terrifying um, incident had happened between both of them, and it's mostly normal situation. So, because women really don't have much protection. So my mom is right. a Christian, she believes, uh, so um, I grew up with her. Mm-hmm. So, I would say just faith on, and, you know, her um, relying on God and prayer is what really uh, helps her to be able to raise her children as a single mother, as a foreigner in a different country. Because mm-hmm. so, my Where mother is originally from Ethiopia. Okay, okay, that was, that was the next question. Mariam Ibrahim is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Her fascinating biography is called Shackled, One Woman's Dramatic Triumph Over Persecution, Gender Abuse, and a Death Sentence. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I smiled a little bit, Mariam, if you were just sharing that, with regard to your mother and the idea that the Muslim authorities and, and just the men in the culture that that you grew up in assumed that women were weak, and yet the tremendous strength your mother demonstrated in not renouncing her Christian faith and, and the faith that she helped impart to you as you grew and, and got older. Now, you married, when you did marry a man, did you marry a Christian man? I mean, do, did you have a nice, would you consider a Christian family at that point? Yeah, I was, and I was very active on my church because the church really was being very supportive to me. You know, on our mm-hmm. culture, also part of the 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 situation that my mom was when we I was born in a refugee camp. So after my mo- my father passed away and he moved out, and, and then we later he passed away, we moved from the refugee camp to the city. So my mom had to change our last name because she knew my father actually the reason he escaped from his uh, other family, he's, in, he's involved in honor killing of his sister and another man mm. from different tribes. Because wow. he was, there's a rumor on the uh, area, in the village, that his sister, which my aunt, was talking to a boy from a different tribe on the street. Mm-hmm. So just talking, like, you know, so, and that's bring uh, shame to the family. Someone mm-hmm. have to take, you know, responsibility and clearing the name of the family, even if right. it's have to take someone's life because mm-hmm. she was shameful and she brought shame to the family. So mm-hmm. killing her and killing that man is to wash off that shame. So the, the other, the boys from a different tribe, and this can bring actually tribal, you know, therefore is a conflict and war zone. This mm-hmm. can uh, bring um, another, you know, tribal war between two tribes. So for him to run away, it's the best thing to do. So for my mom knowing his past, so she disconnected. She's not like, know any conversation about my father, who we are. And I always have this question about who he is. So my mom was connected us to the church so we can be able, you know, to build a community and safe environment for us. Wow. We have to change our name so they don't come and track us which is right. something happened, you know, years later. Yeah, and that's a that's a central theme in this book called Shackled. Mariam Ibrahim, a guest today here on The Bottom Line, one woman's dramatic triumph over persecution, gender abuse, and a death sentence. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Take us back to that day, Mariam, if you would, in 2013, 
when you were approached by a, a Sudanese authorities and they basically asserted the charge that because your father was a Muslim, therefore you were a Muslim. Now you've broken law by marrying a Christian man. And th this is this is something that we read about and we hear about here, in, especially in the Western church here in the United States. But tell us what it was like to, you know, literally get that knock on the door and then to face a court system that is based completely stacked against you and your faith. Yeah, so they that my my half brothers when they came they really, you know, knew that the government would take their side if they brought up my faith. So I was questioned who you are, what you're doing and I said I'm married, they have my own family. And um I was actually called into the police station. So, and it um, was very, you know, shocking moments for me. And then when I going through the trial and the process, I got to know, like, I haven't committed any crime. But right. the law in my country see me, the choices that I made, like marrying and practicing my Christian faith is a criminal, you know, um, uh, activities. So I was charged with very serious criminal charges, adultery under Islamic Sharia law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and um, apostasy, like providing my marriage certificate and having a child with a Christian man is adultery. And mm -hmm. then uh, confessing that I am Christian instead of Muslim is a proof of apostasy, which is mm -hmm. abandoning Islam. Yeah. So at so the end the, of the, the trial, I was, yeah. You, at the end of the trial, you were convicted. You were found guilty. I was convicted no matter what, because as the other thing also, in Sharia law, as a woman, I don't have, I'm not supposed to speak or defend myself, look at the judge's eyes or respond. I'm supposed yeah. to say yes for everything that has been taught, you know, to me. Like, you have to say shihad, which confess, make a confession about accepting Islam, and I refuse to, because when I say shihad, I say yes to Islam and no Christ. That's right. non-negotiable situation for me as a believer. And, and they use fear, like fear of death. We're going to kill you. We're going right. to take away your children. You know, because by the law, also my child at that time, my son, when the trial started, he was only um, start to crawling, like um, seven, mm. eight months. He's a and, toddler, yeah. Um, by the law, yeah, by the law, he's a legitimate child. So mm. the state will take care of him in a state of, you know, because they don't recognize his father and I have no right to raise him. So it's very eye-opening to me and to many, even for many other people, like the human rights activists and lawyers, and even for the world to understand. Because when, during the trial, the judge was, and the prison guard and the officer of the court, they would tell me, like, we are Islamic country. You are no better than anyone. When it happened to come to marriage, the more Christian man, fall in love with Muslim girl, he has to convert to Islam mm. in order for them to get married. And I would say, no, I'm not a Muslim. I'm Christian. He right. say, no, right. you are just raised. If your mother was alive, she will face criminal charges because she raised you Christian and that's something unacceptable. She can mm -hmm. lose custody for you because, you know, so and, and it was very, you know, um, Tricky situation, I would say, mm -hmm. and very yeah. challenging. But as a believer, I get to understand, you know, as a Christian, we face persecution in many different ways. It's normal way of our life in countries like Sudan and many Muslim countries. But um, 
according to my priest and my church members, like what is happening at that time is a real persecution. It's just like what happened in the Bible. Amazing testimony today here from Miriam Ibrahim. The book is called Shackled, One Woman's Dramatic Triumph Over Persecution, Gender Abuse, and a Death Sentence. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Call Dennis Wilson and his team today at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. I get this comment a couple times a week. You know, should I stay in the market or should I get out? If you like the results of the last two years, stay in. If not, then we've got some great solutions to help you stop the bleeding, put the stitches in, and then go from there. I personally think that the current administration is going to continue the roller coaster of the market, and it's going to be especially hard for those who are living on a fixed income or nearing retirement. It's leading us down the road to where the huge majority of people who are studying what's going on think that a recession is almost here. And so with this administration we have, I would recommend you get away and stay away. Protect your resources in retirement with Wilson Financial Services. Call 800-696-9970. That's 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial. Welcome back to this powerful edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Miriam Ibrahim is my guest. Her book is called Shackled, One Woman's Dramatic Triumph Over Persecution, Gender Abuse, and a Death Sentence. And that death sentence simply for being raised as a Christian by her Christian mom in Sudan, a majority Muslim country. And because of the theocracy and the Sharia law that ruled there, uh, she was then brought up on charges of living as a Christian, marrying a Christian man, giving birth to a child they were raising as a Christian. Sharia authorities did not like that, and so they brought her up on charges. And when she looked at the judge in the eye, she was sentenced to 100 lashes, and then for apostasy, she was sentenced to death. Obviously, God delivered her from this remarkable tale, and she's written a book about her story called Shackled, One Woman's Dramatic Triumph Over Persecution, Gender Abuse, and a Death Sentence. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and since you're listening early today, getting in on the first half hour of the program, I'll give you a chance to get in line first for the one copy of the book that we have, 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the book you're asking about, either Crystal or Teresa taking your calls today, Shackled, One Woman's Dramatic Triumph Over Persecution, Gender Abuse, and a Death Sentence. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break and come back with more of this conversation in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Mariam Ibrahim is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Her book is called Shackled. It's her biography. One Woman's Dramatic Triumph Over Persecution, Gender Abuse, and a Death Sentence. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, you were sentenced, ultimately, uh, to not only to be beaten, but also to be uh, to sentenced to death by hanging. Um, obviously, we're having a conversation here right now, so um, you know something has uh, given in the balance of that. Take us to how we got to where we are right now. I mean, obviously, just in the same way that God protected your mother uh, and and kept her to be able to be present for you uh, to raise you in the Christian faith. Uh, God was about to do another miracle in your life regarding your legal problems. That's true. And apart, um, I was sent to jail because I respond to the judge with something very upsetting. I remember on, like, on Christmas Eve in 2013, that's the day that I was sent to jail. And during that the process of me being sent to jail, 
So they done medical evaluation. And also one of the things that because clearly the judge is telling me I'm going to kill you. And then I was still saying, yeah, that's okay. They they believe that I have mental health. Mm-hmm. So they to also require me to be going through medical evaluation to see if I really am in a stable person who know that, you know, you're going to get killed. And yet you're saying yes. They also criticize me and say, like, let your dead God come and save you. And I would respond. I would say, yes, he will. Because, you know, they always criticize, you know, Christ and the believer when they when it's come to the church and, you know, the way, you know, they think we practice our religion. Right. I was sent to jail. And then during that, um, I had my husband just come visit from the United States. And then the trial started. Like, I wasn't planning to have a child at that time. Mm-hmm. So I'm carrying my son. I got, during, when they done the medical evaluation, they done the pregnancy test. When it came out, I'm pregnant. I remember carrying the news, going to jail. I know I'm pregnant and having another child on my arm. So it was very, very challenging situation. But yet I knew that, you know, the the way the court handles the situation, there's so much fear into their heart. And um, I remember uh, thinking about, like, you know, that's, that's because now it's very serious and it's something between me and Christ. It's nothing have nothing to do with the judge or, you know, whoever think that their life, my life is in their hand. So... Um, at the end of the trial, one of, you know, there's too many miracles. Also, one of my friends actually when to know about the story of my daughter who was born in prison. She said, when God want to bring something in you, he bring a child like mm-hmm. Moses. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like yes. Jesus. So yeah. that child and that pregnancy, actually the reason I was given more chance until, you know, when I was given second chance. Because when I was sentenced, I was sentenced to receive 100 lashes for adultery <laughs> and this by hanging. Because um, uh, the flogging is for adultery and this by hanging for apostasy. And there's a man in the late in the 80s when he faced the same charges, the same thing. When he was sentenced, he was executed the next day. So, but <laughs> the judge, in my case, he's he he's he reading he was reading this my sentence and he's like because you are pregnant and because Islam of religion of mercy you are given two years until you give birth and nurse the child so yeah. that was a ch- like it was a relief for my lawyer because mm-hmm. uh, they they are having their appeal ready because they they want to just um have more time, you know, to to, sure. to highlight, you know, to, to because the, the lawyer I have was arguing the case from human rights perspective because Sudan mm-hmm. is a member of the United Nations right. and apostasy is again it's you know Article 18, so they try to argue, but you really hard to argue with Sharia court on issues like that because they take mm-hmm. it everything about Islam very serious. And yeah, everyone, yeah. imams, normal citizens are in charge of bringing honor to Islam. So yeah. that's why even during our time in prison, my child and I, my children and I were really under threat. But God's hand was over us during that time. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So we, we fast forward a couple of years ahead now talking with Mariam Ibrahim today here on The Bottom Line. Her book is called Shackled, and we've got it up at thebottomlineshow.com. You're sentenced on Christmas Eve of 2013 to 100 lashes and death by hanging. But then instead of experiencing the same fate as that gentleman who was executed the very next day, you got a two-year reprieve because of the birth of your daughter. Your legal team is working feverishly, and of course, the hand of God is all over your ministry, as we're talking here today, seven years later. Uh, tell us about what happened, the uh, how you were able to you know, escape death, basically, and what God's doing in your life right now. I understand the international community really rallied around you at this point. No, um, just correction. Um, I was sent to jail on Christmas Eve 2013, oh, and okay, I spent okay. all my pregnancy time in prison. But I was sentenced on May 15 in 2014. Okay. So I left my house on Christmas Eve in the morning, went to court, and I never came back ever mm. again. Never saw my home after that day. Because I was sent to jail from jail. You know, I have to. I was forced to leave the country because after I was released from prison, it's actually answered to prayer, you know, and, mm. and um, I would say, you know, um, people ask me, like, even when, I, when I'm in prison, I don't have access to communication with outside the world. I don't know. People are praying for me. Mm. I'm not allowed to speak to no one. I have no phone. You know, my communication is very limited, even with my lawyer, mm. but with wow. answer to prayer. People really did pray for me. And just I remember, act, I mean, my plea is uh, uh, Act 5, 12. Mm -hmm. Peter was kept in prison in the church and was still yes. praying for him. When I would read this verse, I just really, I would really weep because I knew there's too many people are now in prison and there's too many Christians are facing persecution and they do need our prayer. So, and prayer does work. So... I was allowed to leave the country um, because part of the situation, because the story really gained a lot of international attention. Uh, my church involved the Vatican and the relationship. My children are a U.S. citizen, but the relationship between Sudan and U.S. was very, is not good at that time. Right, right. So Italy stepped in and they negotiated with Sudan and they allowed me to leave the country. I love it. And it's even now, it's there's something really remarkable that's happened in Sudan even in the past couple of years, because I know that when South Sudan was formed, it was kind of a an escape valve, if you will, for the church in that region. It seems like Sudan is starting to take some steps now. Um, am I reading that correctly? Is that still taking place from what you understand? It is. It is. But now it's kind of reversing back the same to Islamic law. But there's some change has happened. There's a lot has happened, including like a room abolishing apostasy law right. and some change in public law order, like allowing, you know, like flogging girls if they're not. It's something it happened because, you know, it's just sometimes you can change the law, but if you do not, you know, just God only can change the heart of the people. Amen. You know? Amen. And that's such a bold statement from Mariam Ibrahim today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Her book is called Shackled. One Woman's Dramatic Triumph Over Persecution, Gender Abuse, and a Death Sentence. We have a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Mariam, we just have a couple minutes left, and I would love to get your reaction to something that you wrote with regard to uh, the 23rd Psalm and walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You, you, you wrote that every choice leads down a path. My path seemed to be in the dark valley. 
with a towering mountain on both sides that shadowed my way, and the enemy tried to convince me many times to run out of the valley, but I kept walking. Talk about how God sustained you, and, and not to try to turn tail and run, not to renounce your Christian faith just to save your physical body, but how God not only sustained you through this, but also you kept walking, you, you kept talking. You kept sharing your story about what Jesus Christ had done for you and how these laws were unjust. It took a lot of courage. Yes, because uh, when I when I went to um, I walk inside the prison for the first time, I was scared and I was terrified because you know I, the first person I thought of is my mom because she my during my mom was alive, no one from my father's family had ever came you know tried to harm me. Mm-hmm. So I remember just took time and I closed my eyes and then I remember, you know, also my priest and talking about persecution and things like that. And it's happened in the Bible. So I did close my eyes and I prayed. And just like in a matter of a moment, I hear this deep voice. That's one of the moments that I will never forget. Like, you know, even now, if I have to face anything, I just remember that moment. And it's so deep voice and soft touch of my shoulder voice telling me you are not alone mm. and that's the voice I want to hear because you know I prison like it's very serious situation dark terrible cold place with my child on my arm and I'm pregnant so that's that's after that moment and I open my eyes screaming like I know it's Jesus and I want to hear that that's what I want to hear that mm. moment in that place and after that moment, everything's changed. Like, I'm not only scared, and I open my eyes, you know, I'm not alone. Jesus is with me. I'm here because of Jesus. I'm here not because I'm bad or I'm infidel or I'm, I deserve to die, as, you know, the prison guard or the nuns will tell me. So, and then, um, I just, like, even during my time in prison, I knew this. this is, I have too many plans for my life, for my children's life. And prison, none of them, like going to prison. <laughs> Even right. I was very careful, you know, through my business plan and everything. I done everything according to the, you know, way have to be done. We be a Jizya, we be a car as a Christian. So having committed really crime to, but I knew that God, my trial was in trial of, you know, um, to destroy me as, and or to harm me or my children. But it's trial of purpose. But I was able to see too many things that I, I now today I carry in my heart. So many injustice and way people really being treated. And I was able to minister to this woman because I do believe, you know, God is plan always better for us. No matter, you know, how right. things might look, you know, unstable or shaky, but you know, bless our trust in God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. And this is a, a powerful reminder of that and very highly endorsed by so many different people. Mariam Ibrahim, it's been an honor to have a conversation with you about your te- powerful testimony. Uh, the book is called Shackled, One Woman's Dramatic Triumph Over Persecution, Gender Abuse, and a Death Sentence. And she's here uh, today here on The Bottom Line sharing her remarkable story. The book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Mariam, thank you. God bless you uh, for, for standing strong in your faith and being such a great example for all of us who are beginning to feel the pinch of the world. We know that you've seen far worse than what we can ever imagine right now. But uh, thank you for sharing your story and for standing firm in your faith from all of us here at the Bottom Line Show.
Thank you for having me. God bless you. Incredible testimony from Miriam Ibrahim today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Shackled, One Woman's Dramatic Triumph Over Persecution, Gender Abuse, and a Death Sentence. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, as I mentioned. We've got a copy of the book to give away right now. Crystal is standing by to take your calls. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll be taking your calls right up until the top of the hour when we join this week's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Um, so please get your call in now. And we've only got one copy of this book, and this testimony is truly amazing. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Bless your children with the help you've always wanted to give them. Newport Bay Mortgage works with your unique circumstances to explain the benefits of a reverse mortgage in today's market. Act now and provide for your family in need by gifting them a fraction of the fruits of your labor. With Newport Bay Mortgage, you can clarify the advantages of a reverse mortgage in your specific situation with professional insights on the current market. Sharing the rewards of a reverse mortgage is a valuable act of service that helps your loved ones Establish valuable financial security for the future. Use the gift from your home to contribute towards God's work and plans by blessing your family in need with real financial help. Make up your mind today to make a difference in the lives of those who mean the most to you. Start by calling Newport Bay Mortgage at 714-741-8080. 714-741-8080. Visit kbrightradio.com reverse or NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage is an equal opportunity housing lender. My thanks again to Miriam Ibrahim, the author of the book called Shackled, One Woman's Dramatic Triumph Over Persecution, Gender Abuse, and a Death Sentence. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're giving away one copy right now at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And in a comparison of Miriam Ibrahim's uh, standing up to a Sharia court in a theocracy in Sudan where the Muslim Sharia law was the law of the land for her, and her crime was that her mother, a Christian, had married a Muslim man, given birth to Miriam. Uh, they wound up divorcing, but her mom risked everything to live as a Christian. And as you heard Miriam say, women were treated differently. They were treated like property. So the idea was that a woman who became a Christian who married a Muslim man, that no one worried about her being a Christian because the thought was that she was too weak to not submit to her Muslim husband. And the fact that Miriam, uh, her big crime was not only growing up as a Christian, but then marrying a man who was a Christian and raising a family as Christians. Uh, That was apostasy to the Sharia court. And she was brought in for charges. And the charges came in as, uh, you know, Basically, you're an apostate, and she had the audacity to look at the judge during sentencing, and he added 100 lashes uh, with a whip to her sentence, in addition to hanging in the public square. And the fact that God delivered her miraculously from all of that punishment, and now she's sharing her story, it kind of makes me wonder when I think about the crisis of conscience that so many people are facing, so many people that I see in the body of Christ right now who, when their faith is challenged, all of a sudden will reach out to the other side and try to do a Sodom and Gomorrah thing. Oh, let's just get along with everybody, and uh, we'll you do your craziness, and we'll do our craziness, instead of standing up for what God says and facing the consequences. I shared earlier the story of uh, Chris Christensen, uh, the former uh, middle school principal who leapt to his death last weekend at Disneyland at the Mickey Mouse 
parking structure uh, three days before he was supposed to appear in court on charges that he had been accused of child endangerment and child battery. And the idea that he was so ravaged by his conscience, I mean, we'll never know the side of heaven whether or not he was guilty, but you, you c- compare and contrast the two. If you could imagine this guy who's facing a couple of misdemeanors that he thought would have been embarrassing, if not damaging to his career, and he wound up taking his own life. And then to see Miriam Ibrahim saying, look, my faith is strong, my God is strong, and there's no court in the world that could do anything to take away from me what I have in my faith in Christ. And I think the the beauty of her testimony, the power of it is that basically she said, in essence, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. I, I, regardless of what happens, I win. And it's amazing how many people who will try to punish you in a situation where they feel like they have you at a disadvantage. In her case, you know, she's a woman, she's a Christian in a Muslim society. And the idea is for her, well, no, wait a minute. I mean, God says I'm his daughter. I'm his child. I'm part of his family. You can kill my body, but you'll never take my soul. You'll never take my spirit. You'll never take my faith. And I, I bring these two stories to you today as a cautionary tale of the types of persecution that we might face. One of these cases, you have a guy who's accused of a crime that he, I mean, for lack of a better explanation, it's very conceivable that he did in fact commit them and was going to have to face the judgment for those crimes. Uh, Another is a case of a woman whose only crime is loving Jesus and letting him love her back. You know, I mean, he loved first and we love him back. And I realize that's what the scripture says. But that's her only crime. And she's looking at the judge like, hey, if that's my only crime, kill my body. I don't care. How many of us, I, I, I hold these two examples up. How many of us are looking at the world around us and seeing God redeeming people and redeeming all creation under his own? And in doing so, it's calling into the light the things that people have been trying to hide. It's that John three eighteen through 21 thing where the light has come into the world, but people reject the light because they'd rather stay in the darkness because that's where all their sins go unpunished. And yet God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him won't perish. Why? We'll have everlasting life. And why is that? Because the blood of Jesus pays the penalty for your sin and it washes your record with God clean. Your account is settled. Dave Ramsey would be so happy. You don't have any debt. Now you can live like nobody else because you live like nobody. I mean, that that's entirely what we're talking about here. Miriam Ibrahim was ready to go into a Sharia court and say, take my life, hang me. That That's a little consequence to me because that'll just usher me into God's presence that much sooner. Chris Christian said the public school official was like, well... I mean, I don't know. And again, like I said, we don't know because he's not here to tell us. He's not here to say, I was accused falsely, if he was in fact, and let a trial bear that out. I know what that's like. I have a longtime friend. His mom used to teach with my mom, same school. His dad was also a school teacher who was wrongly and falsely accused of sexual misconduct. It nearly broke their family. And at the end of a couple of years of legal wranglings and tens of thousands of dollars on lawyers, it turned out that the student who accused him of the crime made the whole story up because she didn't like her grade in his class. Put their family for a couple of years through a living hell. But what they didn't count on, what the enemy didn't count on in this case, is that he met up against a group of Christians who were pretty muscular, very well armed and armored, in Ephesians 6, 
And there was prayer cover coming out like you would not believe. And I remember bumping into him a couple of years ago at our 40-year high school reunion. It was so good to see him. So good to hear about how things have happened in his family. Brothers and sisters, the day will come when you will be accused of the quote-unquote crime of being a Christian. How are you going to respond? It may be something you did, something that will seem self-inflicted. It may just be the fact that you are who you are. What happens when you stand before the throne to take your rightful place in God's kingdom? There will be a judgment. How are you going to be judged? These are questions that we have to ponder each and every day, each and every moment of our life with every word, with every action. Every time, I mean, for example, every time you pick up the phone and call preborn or think about doing so to save the life of a baby. Ask, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll get to it next week. I mean, think about the life that you might save, that you might be responsible for. Wow, that ultrasound. I made that phone call. I made that $28 donation or I made that $280 donation. And one of those ultrasounds led to that person, you know, the cure for cancer, the next president, the next astronaut, whatever, whatever that, or maybe just the next wife or mom or dad or husband that raises. We don't know how it's going to play out. But are we willing to stand up in a culture that glorifies the killing of preborn babies? Are we willing to stand up? Are we willing to stand firm in our faith like Miriam Ibrahim? Or are we going to jump out of the parking structure and take our own lives so nobody else will find out what was going on in our world? A lot for us to consider today on this edition of the Bottom Line Show. 800-227-5278. By the way, we still have one copy of Miriam Ibrahim's book to give away. Uh, Just one, and we'll be giving it away by the top of the hour. The book is called Shackled, One Woman's Dramatic Triumph Over Persecution, Gender Abuse, and a Death Sentence. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, some final thoughts on these stories and some good news coming out of Southern California. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. When's the last time you got such tremendous value out of spending $1 every day on something that was very, very important? You know, when you make a donation of $28 to Preborn on a regular basis, $28 every month, that's less than a dollar a day, and that $28 practically guarantees that you're going to save a baby's life physically and also spiritually. Roger Barsh here for Preborn, the outstanding pro-life health centers that I am recommending you make a donation to, especially here at the end of the year. 833-850-BABY is the number to call or go online to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com and click on the preborn banner. 100% of what you donate to preborn today goes directly to providing ultrasounds. They do separate fundraising for overhead and administrative costs, so 100% of what you give today goes to saving babies. And you know what? <laughs> the beautiful thing is what is raised here stays here as well. I want to challenge you here. How many children do you have? How many grandchildren do you have? Lisa and I have six children and four grandchildren. We have donated to save 10 babies on a couple of different occasions to preborn. It's $28 saves one baby. It's $140 saves five babies. It's 280 that saves 10. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229 or go to kbrightradio or rogerwarsh.com. Click on the preborn banner today. Welcome back to this edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Just a couple moments left for you to call in and uh, claim your copy, or at least get in the drawing for the book Shackled by Miriam Ibrahim, my guest earlier today here on the program. By the way, you can hear 
Miriam's uh, testimony in its entirety at thebottomlineshow.com. The podcast will be posted at the end of the program today. Uh, The book Shackled, One Woman's Dramatic Triumph Over Persecution, Gender Abuse, and a Death Sentence Simply for Claiming Faith in Christ. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, it's amazing when you think about uh, all the different ways that we in the body of Christ have been able to have just kind of a, you know, uh, uh, we have our, our, we just kind of go along. You know, we, we do our thing and we have our lives and, and we live and we don't think about you know, that, that, that one decision that you make that can change the world for someone else. I was reading about Kat McCormick, or McCormick rather, and Kat is a, uh, a congresswoman-elect to the United States House of Representatives from the uh, 3rd Congressional District in Florida. She is 32 years of age. She'll be the youngest Republican woman in Congress once she takes office next January. Her mother, Jenny, had a stroke at the age of 27, and she was pregnant with her sister. She had to learn how to walk, or relearn anyway, and because of the stroke, her doctors advised her against ever getting pregnant again. Six years later, Mom got pregnant again with, uh, uh, with... now, Congresswoman Kat Kamek. She said the doctors recommended they get an abortion because they told Kat's mom that she was putting her own life at risk. Kat's grandmother said that she also begged her mom to abort her. And yet, Kat Kamek gave an interview to Fox News recently and said, my mom chose life. And I know that was very difficult for my family. She was single. She had a health challenge in that previous stroke and doctors told her you're putting your own life at risk for doing this well she wound up beating the odds had a healthy pregnancy a healthy birth uh her mom then had to overcome more hardships they lost their business they lost their family ranch they spent several months homeless but it's interesting because they didn't blame god and they didn't blame their society as Kat Kamek said, only in a free America, in a free constitutional republic, can you go from homeless to the House of Representatives in less than a decade. And she said the, one of the reasons why she's so proud of the achievements that she's been able to accomplish is because that her mother chose life and refused to give up hope. When life hands you a lousy hand or what looks like a losing hand, how are you going to respond? Are you going to respond in faith or are you going to respond in fear? We're hopeful that when Kat Kamek uh, takes the congressional floor in January of next year, she'll get a chance to share this pro-life story. I can't wait to hear it from there. But please understand that when you are dealt a situation, either like Chris Christensen or Mariam Ibrahim or Kat Kamek, the choice is yours. How are you going to respond? And if you respond in faith and faith in Jesus Christ, first and foremost, you won't lose because that's always the right decision. That is the good news, and that's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. And Rabbi Schneider coming up next with Discovering the Jewish Jesus. For those who remain on the network, a potpourri of subjects that we talk about, from the Supreme Court to Raphael Warnock, all coming your way with a full complement of all the four of us on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast that's coming up next as the bottom line continues.